Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I can see you kind of out there. Yeah, you do. You look really good. All the people online, you look good too. Hopefully you can see me. Um, I don't know how that works. Josh knows. Do I have a, just a little bit of an echo, Josh? I do? Are you, you're probably working on it. Okay. Um, hello. We're going to start out with a big band tune. I'm going to wander off the stage here and get my coffee, Josh, just so you, or Tim, whoever. All right. <laughs> you know, we have a slide that says silence your phones, you know. <laughs> I'm teasing. You know, I wonder what kind of interruptions the, the uh, early church had, because they didn't have cell phones, so. Earthquakes. <laughs> yeah, earthquakes, st- stonings, <laughs> stuff like that. All right, I better get serious here, because I want to learn something. How about you? All right, Philippians chapter 2, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we approach this word reverently, Lord, and with honor uh, to you as the author. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to enlighten our eyes through the spirit of wisdom and revelation as knowledge comes forth. Lord, we're believing for specific answers as your disciples that we may walk in a greater and greater level of faith and manifestation of you being salt and light in this earth. Lord, we do it not to earn our salvation, but because we are saved and because we love you, and because we are uh, like the, 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 the men that you gave the talents to, the five and the two, we want to invest into this earth that we may have a multiplication and see the advancement of your kingdom. And Father, I just thank you that you have placed within us the empowerment to walk out what you've mandated or shown us in your word. And Lord, that we don't have to come up with the power. You are the power. And so we, we rely very heavily on your grace, Lord, in deciding to use our faith in conjunction with that grace. And I know that we will see great fruit for your glory and our good. And we give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Philippians chapter 2, and we talked about this last week, but Philippians 2 begins to, Paul begins to deal with the church. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul was dealing, was talking to the church, but he was dealing with issues that were kind of outside the church, pressures from without. So in that first chapter, he was really encouraging uh, the church at Philippi to, you know, maintain faith, don't be moved by what's going on from without. And then in Philippians chapter 2, he starts getting into dealing with the church itself. And something that I saw... Uh, in this, and then also the commentaries talk about this, but when the church has pressures or attacks without, in other words, on the outside, it can tend to have a warring effect on the people and a tiring effect, and people can get carnal. Have you noticed that? All right, let me ask you this. This will help put it in context. When you, how many have ever been under great duress and you actually didn't, you didn't intentionally do it, but you end up taking that duress out on somebody close to you? 
Okay, so that it that gives you a little perspective on what Paul's dealing with here So that can happen in the church like you can have people in the church That actually will end up when they're from pressure without will actually bite at you When you come on Sunday and Wednesday <laughs> Or 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 when you come into contact with them and it actually isn't because they're mad at you It's just that they have pressures without and they're living in a carnal place and not responding the way they should to those things and using the grace that is available and that they live in and then using that here and now with others around them. So we got to watch out for that and that's what we're going to see in this um, because if the enemy uses external things to hinder the faith of the church and the love of the church. If the enemy can get the church to fight and argue and be in disputes and to get angry and to be contentious. You, our power level, our faith level, and our manifestation level of God's goodness goes way down. And it's not because God's not strong enough to overcome. It's because we short-circuit the power. Now, sometimes people think, well, no, God's powerful no matter what. Yeah, he is, but you won't experience the level of power that you should if you don't walk within the graces that he's provided. Amen. All right. Now, sometimes people think, well, no, we're under grace. We can just live any way we want. How many are married? Do you think you can just live in adultery and it won't affect you? Don't don't th that argument to me and what people what people are saying is God will love me no matter what. Well, yeah, he loved you when you were his enemy. God is going to pursue you in salvation for eternity. But if you live any way you want here with Christ in your heart, it will shorten your life. People say, oh, no, it won't. Really? You really think it won't? Well, we can just do, we're covered, we're protected. You're covered as long as you remain within the boundaries of his grace. God does not anoint alcoholism. Now, God doesn't give the person cirrhosis of the liver, but it's a byproduct of a decision. When you plant a seed, there's a harvest. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh what? Yeah, which is death. But if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit what? Eternal life. And that scripture is not talking about salvation. It's talking about the manifestation of the eternal life that's in you here and now. It manifests into your flesh. The scripture says, and you can find it in the Old Testament, I believe it's in the Proverbs, but it talks about a man who's, who uh, is fooling around sexually and shouldn't be, and it actually talks about the fact that it's actually like an arrow through the liver. An arrow through the liver. Interesting, isn't it? In other words, what did Paul say? I don't know why I'm on this, but it's good anyway. Um, what did Paul say? Paul said this, he, that there was a gentleman in the Corinthian church that was, uh, had taken his father's wife. Now, that's a little weird, but the culture was, was different in those days. A lot of things that went on, uh, well, they go on today too. So I guess, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a real, reality TV show on it. Um, Paul actually said this, I've turned such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his what? Flesh, that his soul might be saved. You see that? In other words, he's going to shorten his life physically so that he doesn't lose his salvation. I shouldn't say lose. So that he doesn't reject his salvation in the long run. Does that make sense? Okay. 
So what we need to be aware of is this, is that the enemy wants us to be, wants the church to be carnal and weak. The enemy wants the church to be fighting each other. The enemy wants us to be offended at each other. The enemy wants us to think negative thoughts and bad, evil thoughts about the person that uh, other people in the church or other denominations or other church buildings or you go on, so on and so forth. Why? Because it hinders our faith. It hinders our faith. It hinders our prayers. It hinders all of those things. It doesn't mean God stops being powerful. All right. There's another passage of scripture. I believe it's in First or Second Peter, and you can go dig and find it. But it talks about husbands and wives living in unity that their prayers be not hindered. You have to be in unity. And people say, well, what do you mean hindered? What I'm saying is, is that it hinders the flow of God's provisions to and through your life. You can't hold bitterness in your heart towards your spouse. Come on. This is Wednesday nights, right? You did expect this, right? (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So in other words, I can't be mad at Heidi for something she did to me 10 years ago. Why would you know that does me no good and it does her no good? I'm not going to hold bitterness, I'm going to forgive and let it go. And people say, Well, what if the thought comes back? And we entertain thoughts and emotions so much, and they have nothing to do with spirituality in the sense of being a mature believer. Any, any number of thoughts can come to you at any second, and none of them could have been from God. More than likely, they're from the enemy, or they were stirred up in your flesh, and that's why we need to take the thought captive and cast it down. Right then. They say, you know, um, you can work up emotion on anything, and then the devil will come, a thought will come to you, you you know, uh, your pet cat died, um, you know, 10 years ago, and you sit and think about your pet cat that you really loved, and then all of a sudden you're crying, and now all of a sudden you have a bondage to the dead cat, you know. The enemy will come up with all sorts of things if you let him play around in your mind and in your emotion. But you can't let him. You've got to take authority over that stuff and cast it down. And the same is true in the church. The same is true in the church. If if external things take over, we get in trouble. We saw this in verse 1. It says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. And what we talked about on this verse was simply this. You need to put since or in view of the fact. So in view of the fact that there is consolation in Christ. And the word consolation means deposit. So you could actually say it like this. Since there is deposit in Christ. So Paul by the Holy Spirit is saying to the Philippian church, Hey Philippians, since you are in Christed, You've been placed within Christ. Christ is now placed within you. Since you are in Christ, you now have comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, and affection and mercy for one another. In other words, he's saying you have the ability to live this way because it's been deposited within you. So keep that in mind. In the Greek, this verse actually is actually reminding the Philippians of the reality of these qualities in them, in Christ. But also, he was appealing for, to them or for them to be exercised in the assembly. Paul, through the next verses, is going to encourage this body of believers to make sure they conduct themselves in relationship with one another according to or from the deposit of Christ 
within them. According to or with the deposit of Christ within them. Now, let me ask you a question. How many, um, like this Sunday we prayed for some people that had some physical ailments and different things. How many of you sense the healing anointing in the room? Okay, I don't know if you realized it or not, but I actually, when I stepped over here and I prayed, I think I prayed for Ella, and then I went to pray for Suzanne Seppala, and she just fell out under the power. God didn't even touch her. She said, it was like a wall of anointing hit her, bam. Now, you say, what does that have to do with this? Unity of heart is paramount for the move of God. In other words, we may not have to agree on every little detail, but you're going to see here that Paul's going to start going into be of one mind. He's going to start talking about be, have the same focus, the same vision moving forward, which is kingdom advancement. So it is vital that the love of God be the dominant force in every believer's life so that we're functioning within those boundaries. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but he, Christians, humans, Christians, those that are born again, they leak. And if you get outside of love, your tub will develop a hole in it. And the power of God will drain. Even if you're in a service where you feel like, whoa, electricity came down. The fire of God fell. All of our hair was flaming. If you don't remain in love, that power will dissipate. It's not that you don't have access to more of it. You do. You have access to more of it. But how, to, how do we, as a, a proper wineskin, maintain the wine? we got to be pliable, flexible, able to be, uh, able to, uh, not, not able to be offended easily. Just walk in love, walk in love, walk in love, walk in love, walk in love. It should be like this church's ultimate default. You know that? You go there. Those people, they, some people might think you're ignorant. Because they're trying to insult you and you don't even know it. You just act like it didn't happen. <laughs> Some people, that's a challenge. But we got to grow spiritually. I'm with you. But if somebody, if somebody speaks against you, the Bible says that love takes no account of a wrong suffered. That means you're not adding up the wrongs that somebody else did to you. You're not holding it in an account. I know what they did to me. Remember the, I, was it Sunday or was it last Wednesday? I don't remember. I was talking about the girl in, in junior high that hurt my feelings real bad. Remember that? Oh, oh, poor Sean. I had to forgive her. Why? No account. No account. And love, if she's hurting, I go help her even though she hurt me. Ooh, we're going to see it. We're going to walk in it in a high level because, see, the, with the main verse for this church is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, which talks about the body of Christ being bodies holy, filled, and flooded with God. There's only one way to be holy, filled, and flooded with God. Do you know what Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21 is talking about? It's a prayer about the revelation of the height, the depth, the breadth, the length of God's what? Love. So if you understand love, you understand God. In fact, you could just interchange the words in the Bible. For love, so love the world. <laughs> because God, it's not something he has. It is who he 
And if you understand love, you can house love and deposit it. So you guys loved a, with the God kind of love, a a waitress that serves me once a week last Friday. You guys did. You say, how did we do that? Because out of the funds of the church, we give benevolence. (laughs) And the week before, this server that serves us every week said to me, Guys, I want you to know I'm going to be gone in a couple of weeks because I'm having hernia surgery. I said, well, we'll be praying for you. But she was, I knew she was going to be back the next week. So that week, I'm like, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want to do? And so I sat down, and I was having breakfast with somebody, and I'm, we're talking and just going over some things. And um, here our server comes, and we, I talked. I brought it right up to her because she brought it up to me, and she, you know, she's a little nervous and has, you know, she's got to have hernia surgery. She could be out for six weeks, all this stuff. And I said, I said, okay, well, we'll be praying for you, you know, and um, and believing God with you for for a smooth surgery. This is where she was at in all of this, as far as her her faith, her con, her concern in it. And I said, now, um, and so after she gave me the bill, I gave her the tip. Well, the bill was 19 bucks, but you, we, gave her a $500 tip. <laughs> Why? Because I love kicking the devil in the teeth. We, <laughs> you know, you hear people like, I saw that on the news, but I didn't know what happened. It does through the body of Christ, because we're not afraid that we're going under. Amen. None of us are, because God's our provider. And so I gave her the tip, and I said, now, I, I put a tip on there, and I had it folded. You know, I had everything hidden. And I said, uh, um, if you have any problems, here's, my, here's the phone number for the church and stuff like that, just in case there's any issues. You know, people might think, oh, yeah, a $20 bill, and she got a $500. It's probably a $5 tip, and she added, you know, they want to, you know how it is. So I, I gave it, and then she, she, she goes, okay, and she didn't look at it. She walked away, and we, had, we were pretty much done, and I was sitting talking with the person I was having breakfast with, and, I'm, and I'm, we're just talking and having a good time, and um, all of a sudden, here she comes back, and she normally, you know, she's, very, she's a great server. She does a great job, stays busy. She sits down and starts weeping, and she says, you don't know what this did, and I said, well, I might have an idea. The Lord told me to give it to you. Now, I didn't take any credit for this. None. I said, the Lord said. I'm intentionally doing this. I'm dropping seeds like a, you know, I'm a broadcaster. You know. (laughs) I'll find good ground somewhere. (laughs) And she's just, she goes, this just relieved so many pressures of bills that I was going to have. Yeah, glory, right? I mean, God's move. Now, she will never, she won't ever, this isn't a charity thing. This isn't some person that did it. In her mind, now it is heard. The servants, because I said to her, we're the Lord's servants. She goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, you, you're, his, you're his helpers, his work. You know, she, I don't know what her religious background is, if any. But in her mind, the Lord gave her that money. 
and it's a testimony. Amen? And so we are full of this nature to share it. Let's not forget to share it. Sometimes it's easy. It's easier. I had a teacher in Bible college, and he said, he would say this all the time, and I never understood it fully because I was really young, and you just don't know a lot of things when you're young. Um, you may have a lot of knowledge, but you have very little experience. And so experience teaches you things. And he, he said this, he, he would say this over and over again. He'd say, if you can walk in love with your family, you can walk in love with anybody. And I'd listen to that and go, you know, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably true. No, it's really true. Why do we tend to not treat the ones that are closest to us as good or better than those who don't know us? Come on. But when you're strong in the God kind of love, the family unit is there. Love, that love, and we're, this is the mark of Christianity to the world, can be so strong the world will go, I want to join that group. They take care of their own. They take care of their own. Amen? All right, so verse 2, Paul said this. He said, um, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. There it is right there. You have the same love, but be like-minded. The mind must be the issue. And be of one mind. And then he says, fulfill my joy in this. The statement, fulfill my joy, shows that the Philippians fell somewhat short of Paul's expectations. Here we see a slight glimpse into the apostle's philosophy about spiritual progress in the believer's life. He probably commended the Philippian church as much or more than any other group to whom he wrote. But he realized they still had room for growth. You should never get down about somebody challenging that the potential that could be greater expressed that is within you. Amen? Don't let those things exasperate you. Look at it as, hey, this person is calling me up to a higher place. In other words, they're not just harping on the fact that I'm not living where I should. They're actually encouraging me because they see greater potential within me. And we live in a culture that thinks opposite of that. If you don't just dote and, and on every little thing, then you're mean and you don't love. You, you're a hate speecher. Anybody ever heard of that before? Hate speech. I'm going to censor you. That's hate speech. But in all reality, there is no real growth, no real development, nor real love without correction. It doesn't exist. It cannot exist. There's only the, the maintenance of false feelings of good. <laughs> false, uh, well, it ends up being lies and it ends up being death. I wrote this down. Why does disappointment rise in a person? In this case, it is because Paul realizes the potential that is in the Philippian church in Christ that they are not walking in yet. Apparently, he feels like they should be at the point in their self, at a at a further point in their salvation. If the enemy can get us distracted from the outside, he then can break up the unity of the church from the inside. So we're supposed to have the same love for one another. All right, let's go to verse three. Paul goes on here. 
Now, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's giving... Uh, I heard Bob Yandian say this, and I, I feel like it's so true. Salvation... Paul never preached do's and don'ts for salvation when he preached the gospel to a group that had never heard it before. But after they heard salvation, he laid a, do, a bunch of do's and don'ts on them. And the reason why was not so that they had to earn their salvation. This is actually a truth that I'd never seen before, but the Lord's been establishing in, it, in me more and more because he's been showing it to me in the epistles. What it actually is, is a renewal of the mind to the reality of the resurrection within. If you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will never end up in a more carnal place later on in your Christianity. You will not. If you walk in the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, you will end up putting to death the deeds of the body. You won't get more carnal. So why is the grace message today, do whatever you want and be as carnal as you want? You have to ignore whole passages of epistles. To come to, to these conclusions. Now, I will agree with the argument or the statement that your salvation, as far as eternity, your ticket to heaven, is not based on your works. It is a free gift. You are going to heaven. But there's salvation in the sense of being born again and going to heaven. And then there's salvation right here and now. Because so-so, is there healing in heaven? Well, technically, no. There's no sickness there. You're just healed. You know, people say, well, I'll be healed when I get to heaven. No, you won't have any sickness. You'll be fine. You don't need healing in heaven. There's no sickness there. There's no enemy there. You need it. Yeah, right? That's why you need, you need it now, not then. Your body has a, it has a death sentence in it. And it needs to be strengthened by the resurrection of Christ within you. And that's where Paul said in Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That spirit does what? Quickens and makes alive my mortal body. I'm counting on that working in me. How about you? So he says in verse uh, 3 again, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Wow. That's a powerful truth. So he says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Selfish ambition means strife, contention, and selfishness. Conceit means vainglory or groundless self-esteem, empty pride. How would something be done that way? Now, who's Paul writing to here? He's writing to the Philippian what? So are these Christians. You mean Christians could do stuff through selfish ambition and conceit? So what would they be yielding to if they did that? The flesh, right? So Paul's not just saying, he's not just, now take this back to Galatians 5 with me, okay? Paul's not just saying, don't do this. He's saying, this is not your nature. This is the nature of your flesh. What is he doing? He's renewing their minds. Their minds are being transformed to what? The reality of who lives within them. Right? So what is he actually saying here? He's saying, if, if, and I, go to, I'd go to, I can take this to Galatians, but he's saying, when he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
Uh, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let nothing be done through selfish amb- ambition or conceit. What is he saying? If you walk in the spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body. In other words, the first part of this verse is walk in the flesh. The second part is what? Walking in the spirit. Why? Because where does lowliness of mind and esteeming others better than yourself come from? Who does that sound like? Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, the example of Christ in the earth, amen? The, the expression of God in the earth, right? So what do we see here? He, he's saying to us, don't let these things rule in you. Don't, if you guys are getting into strife, if you're getting into contention, if you're getting into conceit, if you're in groundless, empty Uh, self-esteem, if you're fighting with one another, what are you yielding to as a believer? The nature of your flesh. What are you yielding to as a believer if you yield to lowliness of mind and preferring my brother or sister above myself? I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit, right? The nature of God within me. And therefore, what am I doing? Through the renewal of the mind, I can actually obey this scripture and in humility and in preference to someone else, I can give them preference. And what am I doing? In that very verse, let me take you back to another verse in Romans, make no provision for the flesh, right? Put, therefore, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Or let's go over to Galatians and look at it there. If you walk in the spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the... Right? So in other words, within me, Paul's not saying, no, you stop doing this. Now, he may, I don't know. You know, I don't know how frustrated or not frustrated he was or whatever he was. I don't know his tone of voice. But what he was actually telling him was, you're not acting the way you are. Yeah, it's that revelation of who's within. In other words, we all have multi-personality disorder. (laughs) We just need to understand it from a biblical perspective so that what? Through the grace of God by faith, through the transformation of the mind, I can line up my spirit and my mind and dominate the nature of my flesh. And when I dominate the nature of my flesh, fear no longer rules me, and I now become an even more effective, unhindered, unfiltered, uncontaminated, walking salt and light. Or as we would say here, a body wholly filled and flooded with God. Come on. In lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than themselves. So instead of high-mindedness, the congregation should take on the attitude of seeing each other as better than themselves. He's not saying anyone's better than you. He's saying, you're, you're saying, look, I prefer you over me. Now watch. Is that not an act of faith and love? And if you're doing it from a motivation that's correct, who do you harvest from if you sow it? From the Lord. How many know Jehovah payback is great? (laughs) And if you think I made that name up, you better go look in the scriptures because I didn't. (laughs) Amen? He is a what? Re. Oh, and that word is payback. (laughs) In the Greek. All right? 
He took, uh, uh, we see, the congregation should take on this attitude of seeing each other better than themselves. Jesus Christ himself gave us an example. He took the, pos- the position of a servant and washed the feet of his disciples. These attributes in a church ensure stability, longevity, and a flow of love between the people. Or I would even say this, not only a flow of love, but a fullness of love and an overflow of love and a strong move of the Holy Spirit in demonstration of what? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen? It creates an atmosphere that is what? It is stable and it has longevity. How many like longevity? Amen? You want to be, you want to be this. And these, these things, I'm telling you, these verses, and we break this stuff down. Uh, Johnny and I were talking before the service. We were talking about uh, people who have read the Bible or people who read the Bible or have read the Bible. Like I've, I've had people come up to me and, you know, I've shared the Lord with them or whatever it is. We get, and people have said to me, yeah, I read the Bible once. I got you pegged. If you're bored with these verses, your longevity there is you know sometimes because I'm I are one, a Pentecostal, and we love the feelings. But I learned a long time ago. If you're really gonna walk with the Lord, you gotta get past your feelings. I enjoy the feeling of God, and when I'm in it, I love it. But if that, that's not on me every day. But this word is in me every day. Amen? I mean strong believers that when they get beat up and put in prison, they go, thank you, Lord Jesus. We got beat up for you. See, we still got a ways to go. And I'm with you. But when this, this is either true or it's not. But I'm just going to tell you this. I've already ran off and committed to truth and I'm not going back. Amen? And I know many of you are that way as well. We, this is it. This is the answer. This is eternal. I want to get so good down here that by the time I get up there or if it comes here first... That is just like fluid. Boom, we just keep going. And the Lord says, well, you've, you've done well. Well done. And uh, come on in, right? I want to hear well done, not well. All right. You needed to laugh. Thank you, Lord, for that. Verse 4, let each of you look not only. What time is it, Josh, back there? What time you guys got? Seven minutes? Okay. Let, not, let each of you look out not only for his own interest. Now, look at this. This is great. So sometimes people read the verse before and they go, huh, I got to just go take care of everybody else. No, no, no. We're going to see right here. God's not unbalanced in this. But he said, don't just look out for your own interest, but also for the interests of others. Look means to take aim at. It means to look with a goal in mind. So in other words, we have to, what does this tell me? This scripture tells me that I have to be intentionable, intentionable, that's a new word, intentional about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it is not going to come naturally to you and me to walk in love. It's going to come spiritually. 
Amen? So, because we have warring desires happening. Paul said it in Galatians 5. You read through the work, the deeds of the flesh, and then you read through the fruit of the Spirit. Read through it again and again and again, and you'll see. And this is what I do. I take out... Um, I take out certain words and I put in other words to make it more simple for me to understand. But if basically what it boils down to is that your flesh has desires that are directly opposite to the spirit nature that is within you. And by the spirit nature that is within you, as you understand who you are in Christ, you can rise up within and dominate the fleshly nature and put it under. But let me help you with something. That does not mean that your flesh desires are going to go away. You know, people are like, lay hands on me. You know, I, you know I'm, <laughs> I have this fleshly desire. I'm impatient. Lay hands on me. Laying on of hands is not going to solve your impatience. Developing the fruit of the Spirit within and dominating your flesh will. You need to, Paul, Paul said, I buffet my body. Some people thought that said buffet, but it does not. <laughs> it says buffet. And buffet means to hit over and over and over again. In other words, if you read it in other translations, Paul, it actually says, I beat my body black and blue. Now, don't take that wrong. People are like, I'm going to go beat myself up. No, no, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is I do not give any room to the desires of my flesh. I shut them down. Why? Grace within. People say, yeah, I know that I tried it and it didn't work. Why did you quit? Eventually, you'll dominate. Amen. And you'll just keep growing and developing and developing into where the people look at you and they go, why are you different? Amen. I was praying today. I was like, God. Now, I'm talking about my prayer life today. I was praying. I said, Lord, and this was for me personally. I said, Lord, I want to walk the way you walked on the earth. And I said, Lord, my prayers have gotten better because I know more scripture. I don't know if he's impressed or not. But, but I do know a little bit more. He's probably not impressed because he gave me the answer anyway. So. But anyway, I said, Lord, I know this nature is within me. Show me how to walk it out. Do you know that's what I pray for you? Same thing. How do I walk this out? Show me. I want to walk. I want, to, I want people. I don't want people to worship me, but I want them to see. I want to be like Paul. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. In other words, I want people to see Christ in me. I want people to see Christ in the church as a whole. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I love this. Another translation states, let Christ himself be your example as to what your attitude should be. As believers, we are to think as Christ thought, or we could say to think as Christ thinks. Notice Paul says, let this mind be in you. This phrase in the Greek carries, with the, it carries the implication with it to interest oneself in the concern or in, with concern or obedience, to exercise your mind towards something, to be mentally disposed earnestly in a certain direction, to set the affection on, to direct one's mind to a thing. 
What this tells me is that we are not going to naturally think this way. We are going to have to purpose to think this way. This scripture and others like it are what we would classify as works of faith scriptures. Now watch. Not works to earn our salvation, but works from our salvation. In other words, so he says here, and I, and I want to uh, look at this. Let this mind, that, that phrase actually means to exercise your mind toward. To exercise your mind in this direction. Not just like, I'm going to let the mind of Christ be in me, you know. It's just going to float out of the air and hit me in the head. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I'm going to purpose my mind in this direction to the resurrection. What was the mind of Christ? He walked around and he said more than once, I only say what the, I only do what the, that means we should walk around going, I heard from the Father and this is what he said. This will eliminate some general conversation. (laughs) It'll eliminate some doubt words. Some lack of faith words. Man, we could become real quiet. The more we do this. People say, do you want to talk about something? Hold on. Nope. (laughs) You say, no. Yeah, the Lord's not talking about anything, so I'm not going to. Come on! In other words, we have to have this mind in us. Now, specifically, what is this talking about? It's talking about being humble. It's talking about humbling ourselves and serving others, right? It's talking about walking in love, in unity, having a cohesion in the spirit. Why? Because we meet every Tuesday and pray from 10 to 11. Well, it's been 11 past 11 now late, lately. But anyway, we meet every two, and you know, uh, like we're praying that God's power is going to move, and it has, and it continues to increase, and we're seeing even more and more as, as, as it goes on. I don't want to have a bunch of holes in the boat. Come on. I don't want a bunch of complaining going on outside the church, whether it's me or anybody else. Why? Holes in the boat that we have to keep patching. I'd rather just have a boat that floats well. I'd rather have a wineskin with no leaks that can handle the expansion and the movement of new wine. It won't burst. No sense in having a revival if it's just going to get tore apart by the devil. Come on. Well, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I just want to talk about the power. Listen, Ananias and Sapphira were in the middle of the power and they died. I don't want to have half the church die in the first revival service. Not that I think half would, but you understand what I'm saying. I don't want to lose anybody. So we need to what? Let this mind. Let this mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus also. The common thinking within the local church should be to have the mind of Christ. If the goal of the people is to think like the Lord, no division can occur. Listen. If we think like Jesus, no division can occur. None. Because is God divided against himself? And a house divided will what? It'll fall. Striving for the same goal and vision 
as well as, as well as thinking on the word of God ensures success, stability, and longevity for the congregation. It does. It, 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 it secures it. Amen? Should we stop there or go to the next one? We better stop there. <laughs> How many got something out of it? Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Guys, I'll just say this. I love, I, I, the Lord has, has really impressed in me through the years the importance of balance in things. I love the move of God. And we may go through, I mean, we're going to hit seasons in this church where it's just fire every service. I mean, it's just going to happen. And there, that's, we know that will happen. Because then increase comes to the body. And then what takes place? Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And it'll have to be multiplied people doing this stuff. You know what I mean? It can't be one. And we know that's going to happen. And I love the balance of all these things. I love, right now, I love the pressure that we're in in this nation. I am not kidding. I love it. I mean, the, there's been moments through this, I'm not going to lie, through the COVID thing and everything that I've been frustrated about, but you know what's happened? I go after God and go after God and go after God and go after God and go after God. And no matter what the devil throws us at us, we got to go after him and after him and after the Lord. Why? Because that's where our answers are. It was so great on Sunday. You know, I opened up with those scriptures on dominion. What is the voting system? And I found more. You read Ephesians 1. I know uh, um, Sherry Hayes, she's here, but she came up and talked to me about it afterwards. I looked up more scriptures, Sherry. Do you know in Ephesians 1, it talks about that Jesus has the dominion? And you're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Does it surprise you that Satan would name his voting system dominion? Because he said from the beginning, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to put myself on the throne. You're going to have the dominion, huh, buddy? How'd that work out? <laughs> and people wonder why the scripture says God sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. He already knows the end. He wrote it. If you're the author of the book and you wrote the end, do you care what anybody does in the middle? No, because you know what the end is. And nobody is dethroning him. If you try, you'll be thrown at light speed. Because Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. That's fast and hot. And a hard landing. In other words, what? Jesus has the dominion. We're not, I'm not worried, not even a half, not even an ounce. I don't wake up at night about any of this. I don't, I, I, there's no point. I know who won. And I'm in him. Now here's the thing. As we continue to walk out this faith and continue to pursue and the move of God and stuff like that, and, and the enemy tries to work from his side, these scriptures, guys, for the church are imperative that we walk in love. 
It is imperative that we do this, that we do not fight with one another, even, the, even though it's very disappointing. I saw a post before I came here uh, tonight, and it was, uh, uh, I think it was, I think his name is, I hope this is right, but Greg Locke, is that his name? So I saw this post, and maybe you posted it, I don't know, but it said, if you don't see the deception, the deception or what took, what took place, the fraud in this current election, then you should not allow the words spiritual perception come out of your mouth or spiritual discernment. And I totally agree. But you know, there are a lot of our brothers and sisters that have no, little to no spiritual discernment. They're really not much more beyond just saved and going to heaven. They have no discipleship in their life. So... It's not just a matter, we have to walk in love with them. It doesn't mean we don't correct. It doesn't mean we don't challenge. But we need to maintain the unity of love because it affects our influence, our level of influence. And so we're going to keep pounding down this path. And I don't know if you notice this, but the more you do the word, the more blessed you are. Amen. The Bible says that the doer of the word is the one who is blessed. And it's not the doer of the words that we like. It's the doer of all of them. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ever read a scripture and you go, yeah, I don't know if I like that one. <laughs> I cross out all the suffer scriptures. I'm going to cross out all those. <laughs> no, we're called to walk in maturity. And even though I haven't done it perfectly, I'm not stopping. Amen? Because my stupidity that I yielded to is no excuse to stop seeking God. It's actually a reason to keep doing it. <laughs> Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.